You are listening to the Christian Worship Center podcast. For more information about our church, please visit us at cwcstillwell.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Then before I came to church and I stood alone, and then all of a sudden, right before I left my office, he started pouring this in. So here it is. My beloved church, I am your God, the one who raised Jesus from the dead. I have not forgotten any of my promises that I have made to you. You shall see and what I will shortly bring to pass. Do not sending shakings and power. None like have been seen in this place before. Trust me because the time is now to awake out of slumber. Because I am the Lord and beside me there is no other. You will quickly see along the, with the nations of the earth that I still reign. And I will not share my glory with anyone else. So stay close to my heart in these coming days. Because you shall see me and my glory because I am not mocked I will come to you hold fast you are about to behold the king come on somebody ought to shout hallelujah how many is ready to see the king glory to God so don't be shaken amen I have a thought this morning that I want to share with you on cancel the funeral Oh, that's really, I thought, not the response response I was hoping for. But we're going to go to John chapter 11. But for a minute, I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, cancel the funeral. I pray that today we're going to cancel some funerals in this house. Not literally. Hopefully literally. But there are some battles that people are dealing with. Some dreams in your life. Some marriages. Some relationships. That you have said it's shot. Can't do nothing about it. You have planned the funeral. And God says cancel it. Mm -hmm. Some gifts that you buried. Things in your life that you believed was impossible. Some addictions that keep on coming back and you can't get rid of. And you plan the funeral. And God says, cancel it. You stop fighting because you said there's no use. There's no sense in me fighting it anymore. It's over. There's no sense in me trying to rescue this because it's over. Mm, but it's Resurrection Sunday. And he says, cancel the funeral because I still have resurrection power. This is something you won't have to do by yourself because he's going to show up. Mm, God not only makes bad people good, but he causes dead people to come to life. We sang in, earlier in the service their song, Rattle. And I was glad they chose that this morning because I hear the sound of dry bones rattling. I hear the sound 
of some dry bones that you've said is gone, is dead, it's time to cover it up, bring out the grave clothes, and God says, cancel the funeral. Because victory today is ours. He changes things that seems hopeless. And the one miracle that landed Jesus in the hot seat is this one right here in the book of John, chapter 11, we're about to talk about. It landed Jesus on the cross. But he had a purpose on this being the miracle right before crucifixion. Uh-huh. It's the one miracle that really got Jesus in the hot spot with the religious people and made them want to crucify him. This miracle of Lazarus. How many has heard the story of Lazarus? Come on, one or two of you. Oh, I know there's more than that kid who went to children's church and saw the drama on the man in the grave clothes, right? Come on, we've all seen it. Most of you, I pray, has, but today I want us to look at this story in detail because I'm a detail kind of guy. My wife tells me all the time, forget the details, just cut to the chase. I mean, you have what's the real thing. You know, and I've got to tell her all the details, and she says, I don't need that. I just need to know what happened. (laughs) So I guess that's a man thing maybe. I don't know. (laughs) I'm getting a lot of head nods in here. But I believe everyone in this room has a Lazarus. And you may not even realize that some of you have buried Lazarus so deep that you forgot you even have him. You've covered him up so good that nobody even knows that you had a Lazarus. And you think it's all good and he's in the grave and you're done with him. But mm, you forgot about the gift. You forgot about the freedom that you used to have. You fought fought so hard against a habit and now you've just managed to just accept it as part of your character. I can't ever get loose from this. This won't ever go away. There are some things in your life, in our lives, that I believe every one of us has. And if you have a Bible, we're going to, and they got it on the screen too. So if you don't have a Bible, don't feel bad. Just look at the screen. We'll try to keep up with us, okay? But there are things in our lives that Lazarus, in this, in this John chapter 11, the thing I love about Lazarus is it's a comeback story. Everybody loves a good comeback story. Everybody roots for the underdog. How many people were this week rooting for ORU or this past week? Because it's an Oklahoma team. It's a university that has been under attack. And man, are they under attack more than ever right now because of their stance on some, on some issues. But they had a Cinderella story for a minute. And, and I want you to understand that this is a story of unexpected happiness, a story of full of tension, full of disappointment, filled with pain. It's like a movie, a roller coaster movie. You know, it's kind of like a, one of them movies that sets you on a stage and you just keep on, you're like, man, we can't get any more drama than this. And all of a sudden it does. And this is the way the Lazarus story is. It's full of drama, it's full of mystery, and it's full of disappointment and full of joy. 
all at the same time. So, so I want you to understand that God loves this good comeback story. And the story of Lazarus is no matter what looks dead in your life or what looks impossible in your life, we serve a God that is able to bring impossible, possible out of impossible. He's able to bring forth life out of a thing that's been dead. It don't matter what it is. It don't matter what you've done. It don't matter what you said. God can bring life out of something that has been dead. Oh. So. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. So it doesn't matter what you dream or. But we're, we're going to start. We're going to start. Lazarus' story has a beginning. Let's start at the beginning. Because some of you are right here this morning. You're at John chapter 11. Verse 1, he wants to look at that. Now, a certain man was sick, named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Bethany. And Mary and her sister Martha was of that same town. And they were sisters of this guy who was Jesus' friend, named Lazarus. Now, this town, uh, this sickness wasn't bad at first. But it was just a normal surface a sickness. It had, wasn't bad at first. Just kind of, kind of, kind of terrible. wasn't terrible, but it finally turned into a pandemic. Come on, it killed him. Yet it was just the beginning of the, of something. There, there was a sign. Maybe he had a fever. Maybe coughing. Whatever. But he was of Bethany, the town that Mary and her sister Martha lived in. It was a town where Jesus. Jesus is approximately, he's in Jerusalem at this time. He's approximately two miles away. Come on, he's not very far. He's really close by the fact. Come on, how many have ever felt that Jesus was not paying you no mind? And, and you know he's not far, but he's not coming. It was a town, they say it's a short walk. I looked it up and it says about 30 minute walk. He could have got there in 30 minutes. And it took him two days. Four days? Really? It's a four-minute drive on a bus. And you could walk it in 30 minutes. Lazarus was there two miles away from Jesus. And he was sick. He was a friend of Jesus. He had two sisters that were friends of Jesus. And Martha was a cook. We know that. She made the best food. She made all kind of the best chicken and dumplings probably. And every time Jesus came by, he went by their house for food. He was always there to eat. Come on. They, they had a special thing. If he was in town, guess what? He came to their house. Because Martha was cooking. Always. And Mary was a worshiper. And she liked to hang out at his feet. And so here we have two people that literally adore Jesus. Come, I'm preaching better than y'all shouting. Come on, don't mean to be rude. But this is good. Let's get it. Real quick. I, I know you're tired. We're going to let you out pretty shortly. I, I promise. Because I'm not going to get done with this. But I want, to, I want to give you something. Martha is, on, is the one that had a complaint because she was always cooking and cleaning and Mary didn't care about it. Right? Mary was always sitting at the feet of Jesus, soaking up Jesus. And Martha was this busy woman that was always on the move, always on the job. And probably she came, she, you're reading that Bible again? Didn't you just... 
I thought I'd just seen you with a Bible in your hand. I thought I'd just seen you praying. I thought I'd just. Come on. This is real life, right? So, they, but, but I want you to understand. Mary's just sitting listening to Jesus having a worship service. She's just enjoying worship. She's just loving it. And, and guess what? They, they <laughs> not caring about responsibility of the house. And Jesus was a friend of these ladies. He's also a friend of, of Lazarus. So I believe these were people that if he had a group chat, they were probably part of it. Come, come on. They were on his top contacts. In iPhone, it when it said favorite, it said Mary, Martha, and La- come on, y'all. These are people that meant something to him. They weren't just anybody. They weren't just people he passed on the road that he was acquainted with. These were friends. Mm, I believe these were people that that he was special to. But Mary, it says in verse two. I don't, I'm not really sure about the detail here. But you understand, he said it was Mary. It was that Mary. He wants you to know who it was. This wasn't just any Mary. But it was that Mary that anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped her feet, his feet, with her hair. Whose brother Lazarus was sick. This is not just anybody. This is somebody that adores him. And how many knows that this little section right here doesn't happen to chapter 12? I, I got a little thing on that. We'll go for that later. Verse 3. That, that's a little tidbit of him. I mean, that's a spoiler alert. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. You love this guy, Lord. You prove that you love him. And now he is sick. Maybe the Lord said, Maybe they said, Lord, we know how you love him. Come do something about it. Come, come help us. We're out with sin. He's getting sicker by the day. He's not getting any better. Hey, Jesus, he's not getting any better. We want you to come. We know you open the blind eyes. We know you open the deaf ears. You heal all types of people. So come and heal your friend. This is your buddy. He want, we need here Mary and Martha and Lazarus are in the beginning of a problem of sickness. And they are doing exactly what they need to be doing. They call on Jesus. They call to him. Uh, say, come help us. Uh, we're in trouble. Uh, when Jesus heard this, uh, oh, when you have a problem, what do you do? You call on Jesus. Uh, so they did the right thing. Right? They wasn't doing nothing wrong. They did the right thing. Verse 4. When Jesus heard it, he said, the fourth verse, he said, he's not going to die of the sickness. Oh. I can just hear internet right now. He is a false prophet. You ought he ought to apologize. <laughs> We're being too real this morning, aren't we? I love that. If he were here today, they'd be done attacking him on Facebook and be hitting his YouTube channel with all kinds of comments saying, you lying devil, you. Right? Come on, y'all know people. He told his disciples, this sickness is not unto death. It's not going to end in death, some of the other versions say. Oh, oh, Jesus. Mm. 
This is not supposed to happen. How many said that? This was not supposed to happen. This is not supposed to be like this. It's not supposed to We know you open. So, well, he said it. Wouldn't end in death. Now he needs to apologize. He said this is not going to end, battle, end badly. Spoiler alert. Lazarus lives again. Amen? <laughs> but then he says something weird. But for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified by it. Mm. Mm. This is not just a normal case, guys. This thing shouldn't end in death. It should be okay. We are going to... Next verse says, so Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So he wants you to understand this is not somebody that he just is a passerby friend with. He loves them. So now Jesus loved them. Now verse 6. Now this is where it doesn't make sense. This is where uh, th- that if you had a trumpeteer, you'd go, Walk, walk. Something like that. You tell I pastored in children's church for a while. You know, it's kind of that deal. You know, eh, this is a bad ending. I feel something bad is about to happen. When he heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days in the same place where he was. Mm. Y'all got this? So then verse 6, when he heard, and we were like, what? Wait, hold on. Everything making sense until we get to this part. Why would you stay where you are when your best friend is dying? When your friend is sick and you have the power to heal him, and this is where I want to talk to us for a few more minutes, and then I'm going to let you go. God likes to surprise people. He loves to do things different than what is expected. Have have you ever sent a text message to someone? And and you iPhone users. This is, if I was them, this is what my my, uh, text message. You You know, text communication is the biggest thing about love language. Right? If you love somebody... You communicate, right? Oh, it's just five simple love languages, and one of them's communication. And so, if you love somebody, you communicate. When you send a text and you got somebody that you're responsible for, they're responsible for you. They probably need to turn off that iMessage notification system because. What happens is when you receive that text and they open that, it says red. Well, if they're not going to respond, hours go by and you see them and you said, did you get my text? Well, you know they did. 
Because you just got a notification that they read it. And they're not responding to you. Oh. Some pastor was talking about the other day, and this is not my idea, so there's, don't, don't, y'all, any of y'all get nervous because I'm not talking about ch- ch- uh, Christian worship center at all. But one of the leadership uh, the other day when I was listening to one, of the, he, he said, I sent, sent a text at least if when I send a text, he said, here's what he told his team. At least when I send a te- text, tell me you're working on it. Or give me some common, easy feeling that you got the text and that you're working on it. You haven't got an answer yet, but you're still working on it. He said, just don't leave me on red. <laughs> and I'm a good one to be talking because I sometimes do that. And I'm trying to be better about it because communication is, is very important. But this is what, but he's, you, you understand how frustrating it gets when you need somebody. Or you need something from somebody. And, and, and someone, so, so I know how Mary and Martha must have felt when they sent this message to Jesus and said, Jesus, we need your help. Are you busy? And it says, read two days ago. And you're like, for real? I know you've seen this. Come, is there any humans in the house? You, you know how awful this is when it ticks you off to the best. I mean, you're trying to hold it together, but you're like, oh. And some of y'all might be this blow the phone up texter. I know you saw that text. Hello? I know you read that. Why aren't you responding to me? Come on. God, where are you? I need you. Hey, Hey, Jesus, my dad is dying here. My brother's sick. He's dying. I really need your help. Jesus, you could at least help me. Depression is sinking. Come on. Right? Y'all with me? We're being real this morning. Because I can't deal with this. I don't understand why it's taking you so long to respond to me. You're two miles away. I know where you are. Your location gives it away. How? I know how Mary and Martha must have felt when they sent this. And Jesus looks at the message, looks at the text, and does not respond. And they blow up his Instagram account or his Facebook account. I know, we're, we're, we're talking modern here. But you understand what I'm saying. We want his attention. God, come to me now. Answer me now. Why are you leaving me on red? Why, why is it just saying red here? You are messing me up, Jesus. I done told everybody how awesome you was, how wonderful you was, how best friend you was. Now you're going to let them down. Come on. We, we. Y'all in here with me? Yeah. 
Hey, respond to how many hunted down your kid and said, at least answer me. I paid for that stinking phone. <laughs> I know you saw that text. Hello here. I can only imagine the frustration they're feeling. He's a 30-minute walk away from them. And he's not just not coming. He's not responding. He's not sending word. He's not sending a message with a teller. He's not sending somebody to tell to, with a telegram saying, I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. A few of us this morning, you're dealing with frustration with God. Come on. I know you're here. Because the Lord told me you were. I don't know who you are. But you're dealing with frustration this morning. Because your message is unread. It's read, but he's not responding. And you're like, why is he not answering me? I love him. I worship him. I adore him. Right? And next Sunday, we're going to get to a few more emotional problems with this story. I'm going to show you some unreal stuff. Because we're human. But this morning, I want to talk to you about the frustration of it all. And so as they come back to the music, music, you're here, you're trying to figure out, God, I know, I know you heard me. I'm frustrated by how come you didn't answer. Is there anybody that would raise their hands that I've been frustrated? Come on, a few of you. The rest of you still hiding behind that? Nah, nah, I'm good. You're trying to figure out. But when you really think about it, because you've been raised in church to sing songs like, You're never going to let, God never going to let me down. But you did in sixth grade. But you did in my marriage. He's never going to let, never going to let me. But he did last week. Come on. You know what I'm saying? You're frustrated. You know God is God. You know he's awesome. But he's disappointed you. Because he didn't answer your text. And now you're blowing his phone line up. Because you're so frustrated and so aggravated. But if we start thinking about it, we will accept that one time. Accept that one time you let me down, God. But maybe God is saying, I never promised I'd fight that battle. I never promised that one for you. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support you all the way through it, but I never promised I'd take care of that because that's on you. This morning, he never promised that our favorite team would win or our favorite politician would get elected or he did never promise that they wouldn't make laws that would make you sad. Come on, he never promised but what he did promise is my grace is sufficient for you. 
I'm going to get you through it. I'm going to hold you up. I'm going to make you steady. I'm going to bring you through this. You're going to come out better than you were before. Because I am God and I don't change. I am God and I don't. You might be frustrated with me. You might be aggravated with me. But I still love you. You might not like what I did. You may not like how I didn't show up when you thought I should. But I still love you. Oh, my, my, my. You might be this morning saying I'm frustrated. You didn't come through for me, God. I don't like your timing. Because you understand we are a microwave generation serving a crockpot God. We like our stuff done. As soon as we hit that drive through and we punch that little red button, they better come on there. <laughs> they better answer me. I'm going to keep on punching it till they answer. I will not forget the day when I was 30 years old. And my dad lay on the floor dying. And I've been raised all my life. God is a God that heals. My dad stood up on that word. God will heal me. I'm trusting God. But in 1997... I watched my dad, a man that got up every morning and never failed to pray at 4 o'clock in the morning. I would wake up many times. I'd hear him in there speaking in tongues in the couch, praying and crying for his family. At 57 years old, he went home to be with the Lord. I sit there saying, God, you didn't come. You didn't show up. He loved you. I had a battle. (laughs) But I am where I am today because of that man. I am standing where I'm standing this morning because of his prayers. I'm not worthy. But God has been nothing but good to me. And although I felt then that God let me down, I saw a few years later that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Is because I depended on that man to pray me through. To get my answers. All of a sudden he wasn't there. And God said, grow up, boy. You got to touch God like he did. You got the same power that he did. You got the same authority that he did. You got the, I, I, I'm the same God that your dad served. I'm the same God. I'm the same power. He didn't come through for dad. But my dad is living proof that God came through for me. <laughs> so this morning, I know you're frustrated. But I came here to tell you this morning, don't stay mad. <laughs> Because he's on his way. (laughs) So you can go ahead and cancel funeral plans. Because he's coming. 
You might be frustrated this minute because he hadn't showed up yet. But don't get discouraged. He's on his way. I want you to stand this morning. I shared my heart with you. I felt like this is what God wanted. And I was really concerned because I was like, God, this ain't even Easter message. This, this is the reason why we usually do on, restor, on Resurrection Sunday, you know. I don't want everybody crying. On <laughs> but maybe this is what you needed. Maybe this is what we need. Because we are at times frustrated with God's way. But this morning, he's coming through for you. Don't get discouraged. Don't get aggravated and frustrated because he's got your, he's got your, he's got your location in his GPS. He knows where it's at. He knows where you are. He knows your name. Lord, I thank you for your presence this morning. I thank you for your mighty power this morning. I pray, God, that there was is somebody in this place this morning that they're disappointed. They don't know why they came here this morning. They don't even understand why they're here, maybe. But God, they came so that you might have them a word. And you might give them some strength and encouragement to know that you're still you're still loving them. You haven't forsaken them. Wrap your arms of love around them right now. Strengthen them and draw them close. I pray in your name. Jesus, these altars are open. If you want to come and pray, if you want to stay where you are, you're welcome to do that. But I want you to just get in the attitude of God. I want to, you to show me your love. Love on him this morning. Love on him this morning. Because he loves you. Thank you.